If you would be opening your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 1, and we'll be reading from there in just a moment. Daniel chapter 1 and beginning in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the proportion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the stewards, the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be examined before you, and the countenances of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their countenance appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams." At the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realms. Thus Daniel continued until the first uh, year of King Cyrus. Daniel 
was an Israelite taken in the first round of, of uh, those who were taken out of Israel, Judah, and taken into Babylon, as I understand three phases of that. He was a young man thought to be in the age realm of 14 to 18 at this time. Interestingly, when he's in the lion's den, he's probably about 90 years old. He was carried away from home, away from all that he knew then. And he was taken to be trained in the literature and the customs of the Chaldeans. They were going to make a Chaldean out of him and those others. Daniel is tested here in chapter 1. The king had appointed daily provisions for them of the king's delicacies and of the wine that he drank, verse 5. There was danger and punishment if he did not go along with that and do that. That's apparent from verse 10 when Daniel went to the chief of the eunuchs and that chief said, why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age than you would endanger my head before the king? There were many of these young who were brought, but Daniel stood out here in chapter 1. There are many who followed the king then. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah didn't, but there were many others who did, many of their peers. Daniel was not under the eyes of his parents, under the eyes of his relatives, under the eyes of his role models as a young man from where he came from. Daniel had a decision to make. Would he eat of the king's delicacies and drink of his wine? which would defile him. Will I then throw out that which I've been taught is true and right based upon the law of God and defile myself? Will I go along to get along? You see, Daniel could rationalize and come up with many reasons why he ought to go ahead and eat the king's delicacies and drink of his wine. After all, he is the king and he is the one in authority. And if you think of our situation today, while we do not have a king, we live under law and rule. And we're taught in Romans 13 and verses 1 and 2, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinances of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. That's true. But Acts 5.29 is also true. We ought to obey God rather than men. Daniel could have rationalized though and said, well, this is the king's law. This is what he expects of me. He could have thought about the punishment that awaited him. 
if he did not partake of these things. Just like you and I today can think of the punishment of the weights if we contradict the laws of men by following the laws of God. In Luke chapter 12 and verses 4 and 5, Luke 12 and verses 4 and 5, Jesus said, My friends, do not be afraid of those who will kill the body, and after that they have no more they can do to you. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he is killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Above the king, above the government, we need to fear God and do His commandments. Brethren, this was especially relevant in the early days of COVID, was it not? I suspect it will become more relevant if things don't change in this country. But back to Daniel. He could have rationalized conformity to the king's orders by considering all of his peers. For it was only these four who abstained from the king's delicacies and the wine. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe I'm making too much out of this. Don't follow a crowd to do evil. Don't listen to your friends though when they say come with us. Daniel could have said, well, my parents aren't here. Who knows? Who sees? God sees. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13. God sees. There is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. God sees when you're home alone without mom and dad, God sees. You see, there's ways you could rationalize this in your mind and find a way that maybe it's not all that bad. And maybe one could say, well, this is just a minor detail. And we'll speak about what could have been and wrong with eating of the king's delicacies and the wine, drinking of the wine. What, what would have been wrong for Daniel? Because it would have defiled him. Someone could say, well, that's the minor details. There's greater and bigger fish to fry. There's more important things. But as we read this morning in James chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. Shall I say, or shall Daniel say, well, this is a minor detail. I'll go along with it. Daniel was tested. He had a decision to make. 
And Daniel, it says here in verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Purpose involves making a decision and having determination to carry it out. That's purpose. Purpose is in the heart. We purpose within our hearts, within the inner man. It is a conscious choosing of a thing and a determined will to bring it about, to accomplish it. Purpose then... Purposing something in our hearts is the opposite of things just happening accidentally, by chance. Going with the flow, following the crowd. If I feel like it, okay. Purposing is diametrically opposed to that. Paul has said, said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10, to Timothy, he said, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. Paul had an aim in life set before him which he had chosen. Oh, I know the Lord chose him to be an apostle. But he chose, he decided, and he willed to accomplish that which was set before him. Daniel demonstrates to us then purpose and the importance of purpose but he he demonstrates to us also respect for God's law in Leviticus chapter 11 there are numerous and other places in the old law there are numerous instructions about foods that are permitted and foods that are forbidden Daniel obviously knew something about this and was unwilling to defile himself. The Bible says that wine is a mocker. Satan calls it something else. He calls it the finest uh, Chardonnay um, of, <laughs> of the Yakima Valley or something. Daniel had respect for God's law. Perhaps these were things that were unclean. These foods. Maybe they were things uh, filled with blood. Maybe blood itself. Maybe things sacrificed to idols. He had respect for God's law. Of course, we're taught to be the same way in James chapter 1 and verse 25 to look into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it. To be concerned for all of what God says, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. According to His authority, we're concerned with His law. Daniel was. Daniel was thus a man of great faith, even though a young man here. 14 to 18 years old. His faith was such that he would follow God then at all costs, whatever the cost. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, 
For without faith it is impossible impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That's Daniel. I think of another one of great faith in Esther chapter 4 and verse 16. When Mordecai came to her encouraging her to go to the king because the Jewish people were on the verge of being exterminated because of Haman. Then we have Esther saying this. Esther told them to return this answer to Mordecai, verse 15. Go, gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan, and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Is that not the attitude we need to have of faith? Isn't that an attitude of faith? And Daniel had great courage to make such a request. Courage in his persistence, even though the chief of the eunuchs said, well, I fear if we go this direction and this route, it'll mean my head too. We're called upon as Christians to be people of virtue. Add to your faith virtue, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. That's moral excellence or moral courage. Hebrews 13 and 6. We may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. What shall man, I will not fear, what can man do to me? When we look at the example of Daniel, who purposed in his heart not to defile himself, I believe we can make some applications to us as Christians. We as Christians need to purpose in our heart. That is, we need to decide and then have the commitment and determination to go through with it. Our purposes that we make within us come in the forms of I wills and I will nots. Christians need to purpose in their hearts in order to continue with the Lord. Can we continue with the Lord and cleave unto the Lord without purposing to do so? In other words, is it just going to happen? I don't believe so. Acts chapter 11 and verse 23. In Acts 11 and 23, the church in Jerusalem had sent Barnabas, a man full of faith. They had sent him to Antioch when they heard about how a great number had believed and turned to the Lord there in Antioch. And the Bible says in verse 23, when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. As the King James Version says, they should cleave to the Lord. To continue with the Lord is going to require that we have purpose in our hearts. And that's because of the trials and the tribulation that will face us as we try to do right within a world of wrong. In Acts chapter 14 and verses 21 and 22, when Paul and Barnabas returned on the first journey back toward Antioch, they went through those cities again. And in verse 22, the Bible says they strengthened the souls of the disciples 
exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Old and young alike. But I have in mind with this lesson mostly the young. But it's applicable to all of us. It is only through purpose of heart that we're going to be able to cleave unto the Lord to remain faithful unto death. And that's because the world hates you and hates me. I know you may have friends in the world. I have a few. And I don't think they hate me. But you know what we're talking about. Everything that you stand for and want is opposed to by the devil. Daniel was young. And young people, hear me. Young people especially need purpose. They need to decide and to determine within themselves that they're going to do what's right. You cannot wait until the temptation comes to say, I wonder what I want to do. I wonder. It needs to be decided and determined ahead of time. It's a beautiful thing. To decide and determine. To purpose and to resolve. As young people go through school, they have all kinds of extracurricular activities. Decisions will come. The teacher or the coach will expect you to be somewhere on Wednesday night during Bible study. Will you have purpose in your heart to be able to say to that teacher or that coach, oh, I have another commitment and I can't be there then because I have this other commitment. What about when you move away from home? Will you find a faithful congregation where you're going? In fact, will that help you determine where you go? Because why? Because you've purposed in your heart. You've decided and determined that. God wants you to decide and to determine. And then having done it, to remind yourself that you decided and determined. And then remind yourself again. Parents, we need purpose in order to lead our children in the way of the Lord. We've been studying Wednesday night on the qualifications of elders. How can a man be an elder who hasn't ruled his own household well and had believing children, and how can he have that except that he had purposed in his heart to do that? In Ephesians chapter 6, in Ephesians 6 and 4, the instruction is, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, I don't think I'm telling you anything you haven't experienced then. And that is, that you can purpose to do this, but the pressures of life and the schedules of life press upon you to try to keep you from doing it. Almost as if they're personified. It is with purpose of heart only 
that fathers can bring their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord with a decided and determined will to do it. Not to leave mothers off the hook then. Titus chapter 2 and verse 4. Older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children. That again won't be done without decision and determined will. Back to young people and all of us. Purpose is needed in order to control our tongues. And we spoke about this some this morning. Controlling our tongues does not happen accidentally. James says we have to bridle our tongues. And so again, I will choose, I will decide or determine. In Psalm 17 and verse 3, in Psalm 17 and 3, David wrote, You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. I've purposed. I've thought about this. I've decided. I've decided and determined with all my strength that my mouth shall not transgress. In chapter 39, or Psalm 39, rather in verse 1, Psalm 39 and 1, again, a Psalm of David, I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. That's really tough, isn't it? Especially when you think of what was written in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses or 1 Peter 2, 21-23. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps, who committed no sin, nor was guile found in His mouth, who when He was reviled did not revile in return when He suffered. He did not threaten, but committed Himself to Him who judges righteously. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. That's to the nth degree with Jesus in His trials and suffering. <coughs> Young people then, you're going to be around people as you grow up and as you go through school who use foul language. Where I grew up, the foul language was often in another language. And when I ended up on the other side of the tracks in school, I needed my older brother to help translate the foul language. It was all around. It's common. Everybody says it. What are you going to do? Purpose in your heart. Decide and determine. I'm not going to talk that way. That makes people feel macho. That makes your buddies feel good when they talk like that. They feel like everybody else. They feel like they're a real man because they can use those kind of words. But you say to yourself, no, I'm going to be like Daniel. I'm going to decide and determine I'm not going to follow that path with that kind of language. In fact, 
Purpose is not just a I will not. Purpose is an I will. I will do what then? Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Therefore putting away lying, verse 25, each one speak truth with his neighbor. Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. There's the I will purpose that I will not do that, but I will, the last half, but what is good for necessary edification that may impart grace to the hearers. Colossians 4 and 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Ephesians 5 and verse 4, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. You will hit that point, if your friends aren't doing it now, that they are doing it. Foolish talking, coarse jesting, foul jokes, and it will continue all the way into the workplace. It'll just keep on continuing. Resolve. Purpose. Decide and determine within your mind, I won't go that way. I will go this other way. But there's another one that applies to all of us, but I'm thinking of the young again. That we need to purpose in order to keep ourselves pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You think of the purity of God. No evil, cannot even, think evil, do evil, etc. And to be able to see Him and be in His presence. The pure in heart shall see God. We read in James 1.27 that pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction that do... Keep oneself unspotted from the world. That's talking about purity. In Job 31, Job 31 and verse 1, Job wrote, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? That's purpose. I made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I do this? And so as you grow up, you're going to want to keep, you're going to need to purpose to keep yourself sexually pure. How you dress, where you go, with those of the opposite sex, how close you get to them physically. You have to purpose and resolve, and then remind yourself again and again. But purpose is required in order to keep yourself pure. Remember what Joseph, a young man in Egypt, in Potiphar's household, as a woman is coming on to him, trying to get him to commit fornication with her, and he said in verse 9 of Genesis 39, There's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. 
How can it do this great wickedness against God? Young people, you're going to have friends who will look, who will watch movies that are filthy and full of sexual impurity. Violence and foul language. What are you going to do? Resolve. Purpose. Decide and determine. And take it to its accomplishment that you will not be a part of that. Pornography is rampant as never before in the internet. You have to purpose within your heart that you will not be a part of that. Decide and determine. Purpose is going to be important to young people. Is is important to all of us. But it's needed in order to have the right companions. Who do you hang out with at school? I know you need to be a good influence for the bad ones. <laughs> That's true. But who are your running buddies? I will choose companions who are not that other kind. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, evil companions corrupt good morals. I will purpose. I will choose. I will decide and determine not to make friends and be close with those kinds that are wicked and evil. Purpose is needed in order to shun the use of drugs and alcohol. Because your friends, some of them, may go that path. But you'll say, I will not look on the wine when it is sparkles in the cup. I've purposed, as Daniel, I've purposed in my heart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 12, Paul wrote, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. That includes drugs then. And addictions to drug and alcohol. I'll not be brought under the power of any. One must purpose. Decide and determine. I don't want to go that way. And finally, I feel remiss to leave this out because the Bible specifically speaks to this one. But the Bible speaks to us about purposing in our hearts in our giving on the first day of the week. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, we begin in verse 6, Paul writes, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. As purposed in the heart, as decided and determined ahead of time, thought through, and then with full commitment to do it. God doesn't want our leftovers. 
He doesn't want our leftovers in our energy, in our years, in our talents, in our money and abilities, anything that He's blessed us with. He does not want our leftovers. God is a jealous God. And as Christians, we belong to Him. Malachi chapter 1 and verses 7 through 9, 7 through 8. In the day of this prophet, here's what was going on. You offered defiled food on my altar, but you say, in what way we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. Even our giving on the first day of the week should be as we purpose in our heart, decided and determined ahead of time and not as a leftover. Daniel stands out to us as an example to follow, one who purposed in his heart. He was faithful to the Lord because he first purposed in his heart to be so. He withstood temptation and he stood with God and God blessed him and the other three. And you know some of those stories in the book of Daniel. If you're not a Christian, will you this morning purpose within your heart to become a Christian no matter the cost to you personally? And not only purpose to do so, but do so. If you're a Christian, then purpose within your heart to cleave unto the Lord and to keep yourself pure in thought, in speech, and in deed. Won't you become a Christian this morning by believing the Gospel of Jesus Christ and repenting of your sins and confessing Jesus as Lord in Christ and being baptized for the remission of your sins? Receive salvation. Be faithful unto death. And if you're a Christian not living right, will you get right with the Lord as we stand and sing a song of encouragement?